Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is a show where we talk about development for mobiles and couches. This show is hosted by Ben Trangrove. Hello. And myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. And this is episode 68. And it's supported by our amazing patrons over at Patreon, who are amazing. Did I mention they're amazing? They're amazing. We don't have any follow-up, though. So we can just go on to the topic. Yeah, so um, this week, I thought we could talk about, I guess, the two major features that are in iOS 9 that you would have to implement in your app to be a good iOS 9 app. Right, so that's multi that's multitasking and 3D touch? Correct. Mm. So how we did it is I looked into multitasking and you looked into 3D yes. touch and we'll teach each other how to implement them Indeed. and then together by the end of the show we'll have a sweet app. We will, and it will have both multitasking and 3D touch. Although I just had a thought, you can't have an app with both at the same time because 3d touch isn't on the ipad right that's true although it is supposed to be supposedly maybe being on the ipad pro there is kind of rumors that that might be the case but you know that's a rumor so it's hard to tell it seems so weird that it's not on the the new ipads but anyway it could be like like the like the the screens like it's easy to make it for the size screen for the like the six and the six six s and the six s plus yeah, uh, but maybe it's too hard to make it for something bigger. But then or too expensive like, or yeah, who knows? it could be. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it, it's it you know it's on the it's on the iPhone. So yeah, we can't we can't do both, but we could have both in the same app, and you could use them in on different platforms. Yeah, that's right. Good, good. I'm glad we figured this out. All right, so let's get started. So the first one we'll do is my one. So multitasking. Um, if you haven't seen what multitasking is, I know a lot of people might be thinking. We've had multitasking since like iOS 4. Was it 4 that we got it? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it was 4. Anyway, now we have multiple apps actually in the foreground, which is very new and very exciting. Right. So in iOS 4, they introduced the the switcher, which was the little drawer at the bottom of the the screen that just had icons. Do you remember Mm. the icons? Just a row of icons that just extended off into, into nowhere. And like it didn't have anything special about it. You could like essentially force quit apps because they could be running in the background. Um, and we had a couple of new APIs that allowed us to do backgrounding, and that was that was it. But this this is obviously more than that. Yeah, definitely. So now you've got two in the foreground, and there's actually three modes that they can be in now, or well, three styles, I guess. Wow. So you've got slide over, okay. which is where you can pull an app out from the side of the screen and it kind of looks like an iPhone app sitting on the side of your iPad screen or, or like a split view controller, except it's on the right. Yeah. But effectively, it's the same sort of size as the split view controller and it sits there on the right. So that one's called slide over. Yep. You've got split view, which only works on the latest iPad, the Air 2, right? Yeah. Um, and that's two apps half and half on the screen. So kind of two okay. first-class citizens sitting next to each other. Can you move it around? I feel like you can move it around so you can make it like one is a third. Definitely, yeah. The other one is two-third or something like that. Yeah. Yep, you can. And then we've got the last mode, which is picture-in-picture, picture, which is kind of like what all the TVs have had forever, where you can watch your little movie in the mm. corner of the screen. Or like the YouTube app, watch your movie in the corner of the screen and continue doing your other work. It's kind of like what they had in Back to the Future, we're at grown-up Marty's house, and his son is 
watching like a bunch of different shows on TV at the same time. Mm. Same thing. It's exactly, exactly like that. Yeah. Exactly. We're in the future. We finally we made are in it. the future. <laughs> when is that date? It's really soon, right? 21st. 21st of October. Whoa. And the hoverboard's coming out, so it's happening. And we just all have to start dressing like they do, and it'll be... Yeah. Yeah, It'll be good. I've, I've already got like a like a fluoro multicolored cap that I plan on wearing everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell me how to implement this stuff. Okay, so a quick note before we do, and Apple have stressed this a lot in their documentation. Even if you don't plan on supporting multitasking, which you totally should, but say you you don't, you still have to be a good citizen now in the iOS world, I guess. Because your app, yeah. you don't know when another app is open next to you. Mm-hmm. And it means that your app now is running with restricted resources. So you may have yeah. like less memory and CPU than you did. And the other thing, which I didn't actually think of until I read it on their documentation is, that other app might open the keyboard. So your app, which might not even have any text input at all, now has to behave well when the keyboard shows. Or if you're doing something fancy when the keyboard shows, mm. doing that in multitasking might be broken. That is weird. Yeah. So you just have to think about it now. Like there's yeah. a lot of edge cases to test now that this is supported. Yeah. And we'll get into them. But the other thing they stress is you have to be a good citizen because if you're not, the OS will boot out your app. So under memory pressure, the system terminates the app consuming the most memory. That's a direct quote, which seems crazy to me. So does that mean they will boot out the primary app if it's consuming too much memory when you launch a second app? That, that's crazy. That's weird. That's so what the documentation like says. I don't know. Because <laughs> I know that, like, as an example, when back, like, prior to this, obviously, when apps are put in the background, you'll get, a, like, a memory warning. Uh, and, like, and, and as part of that, uh, any apps in the background... Um, that are using a lot of memory will be like they'll be terminated. So if they're they're backgrounded mm-hmm. but they're still running, they will be like you know essentially kicked out. But your this is saying that apps in the foreground now. Well, it doesn't will actually say in the terminated. foreground. It just says the system terminates the app consuming the most memory. Mm. It would so, be weird. Like how how does that work? I I don't know. Like I can't I can't imagine how that would work. Like if your app is using a lot of memory, does that just mean that suddenly your app is gone? I don't and know. The, the, the user is just sitting there going, what just happened? That seems Who knows? Weird. So there's another quote. It says, for best user experience, the system tightly manages resource usage and terminates apps that are using more than their fair share. Mm. So who knows what yeah. that means? But anyway, you should, <laughs> you should manage your memory well. Get rid of all those retain cycles you've been ignoring. Because otherwise your app yeah. might just be booted. Mm, good plan. All right. Let's get into how to actually implement um, multitasking. So we'll start with the slide over and the split view because they're pretty much the same. Yeah. It's obviously recommended that you do implement it. If you don't, your app's going to stand out as not being quite right. Kind of like when they brought out the iPhone 6 and apps were getting stretched to fit the screen and it looked, it just didn't look right. That'll be the same thing. Mm. So if your app doesn't support this stuff, it's going to look wrong and customers are going to want an update. But there are actually a few apps that shouldn't implement it. And Apple gives two examples of those. One is camera-centric apps. So if your app, I guess it's like Instagram or any other camera sort of app, they recommend you don't support uh, slide over. And the other one is full-screen apps such as games that use sensors as their core mechanic. So if you've got some sort of 
augmented reality shooter where you have to look around a lot, it's not going to work very well mm. in a little split view on the side. Yeah, okay. So if you don't want to support it, you can just add a key to your info.plist. That's called UI requires full screen, and that will that will take your app out of. So if that's in there, you you don't like it doesn't the slide over little thing doesn't even show up or like if you're using that app you can't like slide over and access other apps you can only access uh you can only just you have to quit out of that app before you can start doing multitasking or yeah so it's both ways so if you've got okay. that requires full screen it won't allow apps to appear beside you and it also yeah. if you're in another app it won't put your app's icon in the in the split view so when you pull open that split view uh. view there's a list of icons there and you can tap one to to open it up. So your icon won't be in there. And I believe I believe any apps that are built for iOS 8 uh, on the iOS 8 SDK, they don't show up in there either because, I mean, there's obviously a lot of apps that don't show up on iPads. Yeah, so you have, to have, you have to have built your app against iOS 9 yeah. to get the new features. So you're going to have to do an update. And there's actually one other requirement. You have to have a launch storyboard, not a launch like static png you have to be using a storyboard for your launch screen right and i guess they they just put that requirement in because you have no idea the size that you're going to be opening in yeah i mean and this is this is part of the reason that they introduce size classes because uh at this point like you've got all sorts of kind of contingencies that you have to deal with so it kind of makes it a lot easier to deal deal with them if you if you're using um size classes and I guess auto layout. I still don't use auto layout and GIF wrap. I mean, GIF wrap doesn't support it because it's not built against iOS 9 yet, but GIF wrap supports it on, on my local builds. Yeah. So what it seems is if you've been following the recommended practices from iOS 8 with implementing size classes and auto layout, you're going to find implementing multitasking very easy because your app probably will just resize automatically. And if you've spent any time at all, uh, launching with the um, the simulator that you can change the size for. Mm. I don't. Is that even still a thing? I don't know. Um, yeah. But there were at least there was a simulator that you could change the size kind of on runtime. Um, that that would allow you to like that allowed you to essentially test all of these kind of contingencies, uh, and it would allow you to actually test various different sizes. Which if so, if it worked in that, it'll work in this. Yeah, that's right. So shouldn't be too bad. All right, so there are still a few questions about who owns what. When two apps are running side by side, they both have equal rights to the, the CPU and memory, and it's not like one app gets priority. Okay. So they can both use up resources as they please, and this is what Apple, I think, is saying about if you use too much, you're going to get booted out. Right. The primary app, however, which is the one on the left side, has control over the status bar. So any of the status bar calls come from the primary app or... It will take priority over the secondary app. The primary app also gets to control any second screen you've got connected. It gets priority over picture-in-picture picture because you can have two apps side-by-side side and picture-in-picture picture all running at the same time, which is <laughs> nuts. So this is the kind of memory-constrained world you've got to deal with. Yeah. And the primary app can take up two-thirds of the screen, whereas the secondary app can take up at most half of the screen. Mm. And the secondary app will always remain in compact horizontal size because of that. It can never get past halfway, so it always stays, I guess, kind of portraited. Although they say you can't think of orientations anymore. It's all size classes. Yeah, and, this, and that's why they introduced the size classes because there's not really any orientations. 
I mean, there is orientations, but they don't like they they kind of mean nothing. Yeah, that's right. They're completely meaningless these days on an iPad. I mean, they're kind of they're kind of meaningless on iPhone as well. I mean, iPhone obviously doesn't have split views because that would be crazy. Six Plus does, doesn't it? Uh, it has split views, but it doesn't have it doesn't have multitasking. Oh right, sorry. Yep, like split multitasking. But like the size classes on on iPhone still run the way that you uh they run the way that you do your orientation because it's just the thing is changing size the fact that the you know the view is rotating means nothing really uh it, it's it's kind of secondary yeah to the fact that you're actually just changing size that's right which i think is exactly what apple has said so yeah it's all about size classes now and speaking of size classes there are like a gazillion permutations of size classes you now have to test and support. It would be impossible to list them all, but there's a diagram in the multitasking guide that shows all of the combinations of size classes that you might encounter with your app now. And there's a lot of them because obviously you've got portrait, landscape, and you can drag the split view out and push it right back in. And yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, because you've got various different the various different states. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's you can be on talk. the left or the right. So basically you have to support them all. Like every combination of regular and compact you could run into. Yeah, which yeah gives more reason to you know support these things. Yeah, so you might have to uh, adopt auto layout there. No, no. See, <laughs> the thing is... The thing is, is that, like I said previously, uh, GIFRAPT actually already supports this. It just hasn't, because the current uh, the current release build hasn't been built against iOS 9, uh, it doesn't support right. it in the current release. But the, the without changing anything at all, I've run it in various simulators and done used the iPad Air 2 simulator with the slide over and split views, which you, cause you can test all of this in the, in the simulator. Mm-hmm. You don't actually have to have the device. Uh, it works in all of them. It works fine. Uh, grid the grid view kind of rearranges itself. Uh, has various different sizes for the various different sizes. Um, nice. Yeah, you know, the set the cells change size and stuff like that. It, it handles it. It handles it well. It handles it well. I'm actually all quite right. proud of the fact that I didn't have to change anything. So, auto layout can go and do something else <laughs> with somebody else's app. <laughs> okay. So another thing you have to consider is not only do you have to support these various size classes. You have to support the transition between all the various mm. size classes. Which means that you have to handle uh, essentially getting stretched. Yeah. And the way it actually does it. So when an app is, I guess, actually loaded for being in split view, your app actually gets, it resigns active and gets snapshotted. And it actually enters the background and then comes back to the foreground. So you really got to work on your state preservation. You need to support all that state preservation stuff that they added quite a while ago. Um, yeah. Because your app is going to go into the background and come into the foreground during transitions. And it's it looked pretty complex. Um, and they have a guide to try and help you through it. And it gives you a flowchart of all the states your app goes through and what to do, basically. So we'll put that link in the show notes. Mm. Mm. So yeah, a couple more tips with Split View. I guess... It's a new way of thinking now. So like we mentioned before, if you've got a whole pile of code for if landscape or if iPad, none of that really works anymore. Uh, there are cases when you might want to use uh, the device idiom. I have at least a 
couple of instances where I'm using it, but it's rare. Like it's really rare, um, especially if you're not using auto layout. I think. Mm. But yeah, it's it's rare. The, you pr- you will want to be using size glasses instead if. Uh, <sighs> because most situations where you were using uh, idioms, device idioms or whatever, um, or the orientation, they, they don't they don't actually apply anymore. They're, they're, not, they're not valid. Um, yeah, because basically if your app comes up in that split view on an iPad, it should render like your iPhone app. Yeah. Um, the other tip, which I definitely will probably have to fix up in a couple of apps, using the screen size to define something now is probably a bad idea. Because you might have an app next to you you have no idea about, and that screen size will still be for the full screen. Yep. So might want to go and check that. So I don't, I don't use screen values ever. I don't think I ever have. It used to be the thing to do. Um, I remember I used it when iPhone five came out, and it changed size for the and first. And it was time. a different size. Yeah, but that yeah. was all that code's gone now. Yeah. I would, I would hope so. <laughs> but yeah, you know, some people still have, I can't think of an example off my head now where you want to use it, but people do use the screen size to define things. Well, as an example, the, the, the grid icons in, uh, in GIF Wrapped um, uses a collection view. Grid icons, are, um, the collection view cells are dynamically sized based on the size of, of GIF Wrapped. A lot of people would be using UI screen to figure out, as an example in this particular situation, uh, what the screen size is and then dividing it up and figuring it out that way. Mm. Uh, I'm not doing that. I'm basing it on the collection view, which is taking its size, you know, from down the, like down the chain. So it, uh, it's, you know, I'm getting the correct value. But if you were using screen values in order to get it, suddenly that's not correct because you're essentially reaching to the top of the pile and getting values uh, that that are changing on the way down, if that makes any sense. You basically only want to go, you know, up a level to get your, uh, your screen size, mm. which you know, most of the time you're going to be putting a view into a view. So you can kind of, you know, just get, get your sizes based on your super view as opposed to, you know, the screen that you're on. Yeah, I guess you could... There's probably instances of using it as a bit of a hack because your view isn't actually laid out yet. So you're like, I know it's full screen. I'll just get the screen size. Don't do that. (laughs) So what I tend to do in those situations is that I use the view will layout subviews and view did layout subviews uh, method calls on UIView controller to deal with stuff because that tends to get called between, uh, between your view did load and view will appear. Mm. I think that's correct. Um, so it, and sometimes certain certain values only become available to you. As an example, uh, your layout guides, top and bottom layout guides for iPhone, I guess for iPad as well, they only become available uh, as of at some point within that kind of gap. And so the only real way that you can deal with them uh, is by using um, by using those methods. So. That there is usually a way to get around it. You just have to, yeah. Don't don't use UI screen. That's that's the lazy way. Yeah, agreed. So let's move on to the, I guess the other multitasking mode, which is picture in picture. And supporting picture in picture is actually pretty easy. It's almost automatic. Okay. So you have to make sure you set um, your app to use background. You got to enable background audio, 
basically. So in Xcode, you go to the capability screen and you just tick that audio and airplay mode switch. Easy. You also have to ensure you've set up your audio session correctly. So you've got to be using one of the categories that supports um, background audio. The most common one is the playback category. Yep. And then if you've done that and you're using AV player or any of the AV player types, it pretty much just works. If you're still using MP movie player or MP movie player view controller, which is the old movie player, yep. it doesn't have support for picture in picture and it won't be added. So you may as well upgrade. MP movie player is a bit of a weird one. They've said it's not deprecated, but they're also not putting any of these new features into it and there's a new movie player. So Okay, so Assets Library went through that stage. In iOS 8, Assets Library wasn't replaced or deprecated, uh, but we got photo uh, the photos yeah. library photos photo kit. I don't I don't know what it's called. Uh, we got that that way of accessing photos, but assets library was not deprecated uh, or removed or anything like that. It just they were side by side, two ways of accessing the photos library. As of iOS nine, assets library is now de- deprecated. I know because I've gotten whole, a whole bunch of warnings because I'm still using Assets Library um, for for various reasons. And so I, I'm guessing that's probably in the same state. I don't know. Yeah, how old is it's AV, probably going to go with... AV Player? Oh, MP Movie Player came out with like iOS 2 or something. It's like an original. Yeah, how, how old is AV Player though? Oh, that's iOS 8. So you need to be supporting iOS yeah. 8. Oh, AV Player is older. The new AV oh. Player View Controller is iOS 8. Oh, okay. And it's actually way better. So I implemented them the other day while I switched over. Yeah. MP Movie Player is horribly buggy, and it doesn't look like they're ever going to fix anything. So there's crashes in there. It basically crashes if you change the URL, and it doesn't release its observers properly, which crashes. Um, (laughs) It's just not a good experience, and it's really hard to work with. So the new AV Player View Controller looks better. Um, It acts better when changing URLs. I have noticed there's one bug where you can't provide now playing info because the player itself overwrites it, which mm. is really annoying. And I did radar it. Good. I was going to say radar or GTFO. Yeah, it's radared. Yeah. Someone please look at that. Good. good. Apart from that, it's been pretty good. It's very easy to to switch over to AV Player View Controller. Yeah. Um, and if you do, you get picture in picture. So kind of like how AirPlay just magically works, picture in picture is the same. And if you don't want to support it, you opt out yeah. rather than opting in. That's cool. So there is a there is a property on AV Player View Controller allows picture-in-picture playback. You can set that to no if you don't want it. Huh. Completely off completely off topic. I discovered the other day that Safari on desktop on Mac now supports AirPlay, and that blew my mind. I did not know that. I can AirPlay from a, like a YouTube video because YouTube is now using like HTML5 for everything. Mm-hmm. I can airplay a YouTube video straight to my straight to my TV. It's great. It's great. Oh, I'm jealous because El Capitan seems to have, I don't know, it's either broken or stopped supporting airplaying to Apple TV Gen 2 because my laptop yeah. will no longer airplay to my Apple TV. Yeah, that's sadness. It is. I'm going to get a new one. As soon as they <laughs> release the new one, I'm, I'm right there. <laughs> um, so the other thing is if you don't have... Uh, AV player view controller you're just using a player layer which is pretty common if you've implemented a custom player or custom playback controls um, there's a class called AV picture in picture controller 
mm-hmm. and you just provide your player layer to that controller and it will take care of the rest. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Cool. And the other one is WK WebView supports picture-in-picture as well. So if you have an embedded movie player in a web view, you can still support picture-in-picture. You just have to use WK WebView, not the old UI WebView. The new WebKit stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So that's pretty much it. If you meet all those requirements, you will get you will get picture in picture. That's cool. So let's talk about 3D touch then. Yeah, let's do it. Because 3D touch is new, and uh, 3D touch is so new that I can't actually do any testing for it, which makes me sad. And especially, it makes me even sadder because today, uh, for recording time, a whole bunch of new accessories from Apple came out, and one of them is the new Magic Trackpad Two. Yep, and it's got Force Touch. Great, awesome, except you can't use a Force Touch trackpad to test things in the simulator. You have to have a, a 6S or 6S Plus in order to be able to test, yep. which is sad. It's pretty dumb. It I think it's just dumb. an oversight, though. I'm sure they'll add it. I, I certainly hope so, because the, the simulator does actually have like menu options for like Force Touch oh, really? hardness. I can't remember what it's called. I don't have the simulator running at the moment. Uh, it's like Force Touch like hardness or weight or something like that uh, or amount of force. Um, but you can set it to like, you know, regular or, you know, super super hard or something. I don't know. But I'd, as far as I can tell, it does nothing because you can't actually use it. That said, if you want to test your, uh, want to test some stuff with uh, 3D touch on your in the simulator, like third party things that you can set up. Um, one is called SB Shortcut Menu Simulator that lets you essentially simulate the the force touch to the icon uh, and get the shortcuts. Mm. That's not great. This whole thing kind of annoys me because it's hard. Like it's not something that you can actually test unless you have a device. And if you can't pick up a device because they're like you know eleven hundred dollars, I think is the cheapest that they come out here. Like that. That's that's insane. It's insanity. Pure insanity. Absolute and utter insanity. Agreed. But that said, Force Touch is actually, uh, or rather 3D Touch, because they're different. They're, they're very different. And there is, the, apparently the patent is actually different. Uh, there's a, I'll throw a link in the show notes. There's like a, <laughs> a 9 to 5 article on this. But 3D Touch uh, is really easy to implement for iOS. Like super easy in all of its kind of ways, which is cool. It, it doesn't take much effort and you can basically set everything up. So... It's got basically three uh, three methods of that you can set up with um, with three D touch. The first being shortcut actions. Um, so they're the when you when you hard press the um, the icon of your app in the springboard, uh, it will show up a you know a list of actions. It, it kind of looks like a right click menu. Yeah, and so you can have a bunch of shortcuts. Um, the second is peek and pop. So that's where you're looking at some content, like a list, a list of content or a grid of content. Uh, you can kind of press a little bit harder to to see like a preview of that content, and then like a little bit harder again in order to navigate to that uh, to that content, which gives you a little bit of a um, you know, you can kind of quickly go through a, a bunch of content. And the last method that you can set up is your own custom touch stuff with UI Touch. And so we'll get we'll get into that a bit later. But setting up for shortcut actions is really, really, really easy. Shortcut actions are a list of, are essentially a list of objects called UI application shortcut item. 
these these names they're they're amazing <laughs> really creative so each of these objects are basically they're basically a, like a shortcut they have like a title and, and stuff like that to that and they show up and they represent one of the uh entries in that uh in that little list that comes up when you force touch you know press the item so you can set them up in two ways which makes them kind of a, a bit more useful one is static which kind of says it all yeah you set up a entry in your infopilius called ui application shortcut items and that's an array of dictionaries and each dictionary has can have a type a title a subtitle an icon and like a dictionary of information of user info so the type is it's just a string like it can be anything you don't have to it's not something that you have to register or use a specific one but it's essentially a class i guess or a category is that how you would decide what to launch basically so do these get passed to app did finish launching yeah so when you get uh, launched you get a ui application shortcut item object uh, and that object will contain information from the plist or from right. that you've set up previously um, so you'll get this as a, you'll get a type as a string and that can be any string that you like um, you can set up a title which will get can get localized and that's displayed to the user if it's long it will get like wrapped onto a second line you can set up a subtitle which will mean that if you're title is long then it will just get it'll stick on one line and you'll get the second line as a subtitle you can have an icon and that can be system provided so you can have like if you've got like a compose thing you can get a you know a system provided compose icon um or you can provide your own nice and then you've got your user interface dictionary which is like any other user info dictionary you can have anything in there you you could put anything anything cool so like i said those are turned into a UI application shortcut item object and passed to your app on launch. There's an there's a, a method uh, that gets called on your application delegate. It's called application perform action for shortcut item completion handler. Oh, mm. cool. So it provides you with the shortcut item that the user selected. And so basically you perform the, the action and then you can, uh, I guess you call the completion handler. I'd Although I'm not, I'm not sure if the app actually gets launched or if it just, uh, it just performs the action and quits, which could it could be either. But I can't test it because I don't have a device. So <laughs> for those of you out there who do have devices, you can test it and tell me uh, what actually happens there. But uh, basically, you can you you get your your action your you get your item and you just you deal with it. You can also set up these dynamically. Uh, if you want to, so you don't have to have them static, which is useful if you're, you know, want to pre- present a list of something. So in the instance that I want to show you the last gift that was uh, that was shared or viewed or whatever, I can set that by creating in code a UI application shortcut item and applying that to the UI application, uh, so the shared applications shortcut items property. Um, which is essentially a list, uh, an array of uh, shortcut items that you know, show as that list. So is there a max number of shortcut items? Because I guess you could also use the dynamic actions to allow your users to set which ones they want to show. Yeah, so you could you could actually set up a like a interface that you could you know uh, provide, like they could choose what they want to see. Uh, that, that would work fine, I guess. 
it, it, it's not specific, but it mm. seems like from the various, from like going into the Apple store and having like essentially force touching a few of the built-in apps, it seems like it's around three or four. Like you probably yeah, don't want to be that's what I've seen as well. That. I mean, essentially just, you know, you use, use your brain and figure out exactly like what's kind of you know, relevant and show relevant stuff, not, not just stuff stuff because you can yeah probably wouldn't put your about page in a shortcut yeah a lot of clients would want that though i can just I can tell you that <laughs> um they would want also a button for in, in there for open our privacy policy i was gonna say that yeah we need one in there for the terms and conditions yeah terms and conditions that's can we one. show that on every launch please <laughs> and a, and a copyright so it'll be like three items and they'll just be like privacy policy terms and conditions copyright yeah, perfect. Uh, clients. So that's that's how you set set up shortcut items. They're they're really really basic. Like you don't doesn't take very much at all. You can uh, you can set them up at any point within the app. There's no like it's it's not like the search uh, APIs that you have to set up app, uh, extensions and stuff like that. You can just apply them, which means that you can you know you can do all sorts of things with them uh, very easily and uh, they're they kind of a they kind of a cool thing not not difficult to implement at all so the next thing that you can implement with uh with three d touch is peek and pop, which is the like previewing and uh, yeah. navigating to content this looks really cool i mean this this obviously has been kind of shown around uh quite a lot it's kind of a lot of it's done for you you don't actually have to implement a lot of it like you can just you can just basically provide the information that you want to be shown uh and you know what what the user has to do a 3d touch on in order to show it and that's like it that's how it works so basically you register subviews of a ui view controller because uh, all of these are methods on ui view controller you register the subviews for previewing use using a method that are called register for previewing with delegate source view so you call that on your UI view controller and provide a delegate for handling the presentation and the source okay. view. So let's say that you're dealing with a collection view. All of my all of my stuff is GIF wrapped based. I was going to say, this would be great for GIF wrapped. It is actually great for GIF wrapped. Um, so let's say you've got a collection view and you've got a collection view full of uh, square images. When your cell is actually displayed, uh, you can call uh, this method, register for previewing with delegate, and pass in your cell as the source view. And a delegate, it could be your view controller, it could be the, its own delegate. The delegate handles the view controller, so it determines what the view controller is for a given point on the screen. So you can use that point and get that point that's passed to, you, to the delegate, get the collection view cell for uh, at, at point, and then determine what the the view controller is and pass the view controller back. Uh, so you essentially, you know, create your view controller, pass in its content and yeah. just return it. And then that peaks. Easy. Like, what? What? Like it does all the things. So it does the blur and everything apparently. So it's it's it works great. And then if you want to make it so that it pops, so let's say that you then want to have it so that it, you know, pops in the your, your content in the navigation uh, stack, what you do is you implement the other delegate method which basically gives you the opportunity to do the presentation. Nice. It just gets called when the uh, when the user kind of presses hard enough for the content to pop, and uh, you you just basically do the presentation. So if it's you know going into a navigation stack, you 
you're pushing the view controller or you if you want to show it modally you can you know, present the view controller or anything yeah. like that um so like super easy cool now you might have seen that some of these uh some of these things when you like peeking uh might have like they might have um like actions at the bottom like little buttons it looks kind of like a ui action controller that is essentially an array of actions that you provide oh. uh, just to the ui view controller and so then what you can do is uh you can have a bunch of actions that you can do with that content so in the case of give wrapped i would probably just show you like the actions that i have for you know sharing for sharing stuff so you can and that allows the user to then swipe up and get those actions just straight nice. away and so there are a bunch of uh there are a bunch of UI preview action objects they're not unlike UI alert actions they're basically the same uh, i mean they have a few kind of less features really but they can you can actually group them so you can create UI preview action groups uh and stick some preview actions in there and it'll you know group them nicely which is kind of cool nice so that's pick and pop and it's like super easy like and quite effective yeah and so it gives you like a really easy way to just kind of um uh, you know do a system kind of uh gesture that people can kind of expect in an app which is kind of something that you want to be doing that said if you do want to implement your own uh stuff you can do that as well because why not? There are two new properties on UI Touch, which is the you know the objects that are created for touches on the screen. One is force, and one is maximum possible force. Uh, they are floats, so you can essentially detect how much force is being applied in a touch. That would allow you to do different things with, I guess, UI gesture recognizers and stuff like that. Although there isn't a there isn't a three D touch gesture recognizer. Uh, but you can uh, get your touches and figure out how much force is being applied. You can and, make your own. Uh, yeah, and I'm pretty sure that actually people have, so you know, go looking for those. And that way you can kind of have your own 3D touch. So let's say that you had uh, you wanted to be able to push into an image and have a menu pop up for something or other, sharing that image or whatever, um, you could do that as well. I'm not saying that this cool. is what I'm actually doing because I haven't actually done anything, but you could do – you could actually – you could do this. I reckon we'll see some some cool apps coming out that come up with something really yeah. unique. Well, it means that you can it means that you can use it for things like games as well. Like if you wanted to put it mm. in a game or an app that's not like not a utility style thing where you've got your own kind of user interface thing going on, uh, or let's say that you have you know something that's really super um, skeuomorphic and you have buttons that actually get pressed in, you could make it so that you could press them really hard and they do things like break oh they deform more that's cool yeah someone do that cool overall like it's really easy to set up it's just really annoying that you can't test it in the simulator you have to have the device uh or you have to sneak into a an apple store and uh very quickly provision the device and build to the device <laughs> which i'm pretty sure you'd get kicked out and never allowed back in if you tried that so don't do that no, nah, just build it with an enterprise certificate, stick it on your website, and then <laughs> go and download it yeah. on the phone. <laughs> go to download. Nice. I like it. I realized the other day, actually, while I was testing this, uh, testing out the, the 3D touch on the devices in store, uh, you, can't, you can't delete the apps in store, which actually really yeah. makes, it, it makes it really weird. 
to tra- to test 3D touch because you get essentially a, a very similar uh, type of feedback when you try when you actually uh, long press on the icons on the home screen. Um, it gives you like a little vibrate to say no, you can't delete these. But you get the same thing if you force pr- force press an app that doesn't have shortcuts. Ah, um, you get like a little tap back, and so it's actually kind of like it, it's kind of weird to try and test it because you don't know if you're actually getting. Uh, if you're getting response for a 3D touch or for a long press, and so it get, begins to get really confusing. That said, you know, uh, it 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 is still kind of cool, and the apps that do do it, you know, they they're very obvious. So you know, there's that. Nice. But that's it. That's all I've. I mean, that's 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 3D touch. That's iOS nine. I feel like we covered a lot. Covered a lot. Yeah, me too. Hopefully, it's useful for someone. Yeah, and I mean, this is the sort of stuff that I mean. I'm going to set up the 3D Touch stuff very shortly in GIF Wrapped. That will probably be out in some point in the near future, although it will be completely untested. So you know, there's that. <laughs> uh, but uh, you don't try, don't do this, don't try this at home, kids. It's not not ideal. But you know, go go and try try using these things, and we'd love to hear about what you what you're doing with like the 3D Touch, and I, I guess what you're doing with split screen. But you know, I mean. It's very limited what you can do with split screen. Yeah. Um, but if you'd like to read about any of the things, if you would like to implement any of them, uh, we, we will stick a whole bunch of links. There are a whole bunch of links to go into the uh, into the show notes this week. Um, you can find those on our website, mobilecouch.co forward slash 68. Now, if you would like to email us and tell us that we were com- we've completely messed this up, then that's fine. Do so. Uh, send us an email at hello at mobilecouch.co or you can jump on the website mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. If you would like to get in touch with us individually, you can do that as well. Ben is on Twitter. Ben Trengrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E and I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you everybody for listening. It's been fun. I, I actually had a lot of fun like figuring out how to do 3D touch without having a 3D touch device. <laughs> So, you know, that was enjoyable. And telling you about it was enjoyable. And we look forward to talking to you again in two more weeks' time. Goodbye. Bye.